<laughs> we're happy to be in the house of the Lord together. Awesome. Yeah, so we're in this series that we're kind of winding down. I think we've got a couple more weeks, the end of August. We're going to shift gears and transition. If you're one of those people that wants to know kind of what's coming down pike, so to speak, um, starting in September. Well, well, thank you, sir. Starting in September, we're going to dive into the book of Jonah. So we're going to go through a little bit of Jonah. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've gone through an entire book. That's generally our um, diet, so to speak. Uh, Preaching-wise, it's just through entire books of the Bible. So we're going to spend some time in Jonah. We may hit another small New Testament letter uh, as we enter into then the Advent season and Christmas. And then in the new New Year, starting in 2023, is it? That's coming up, right? 2023? That sounds weird. Um, we're going to go into Hebrews. So, like long-range planning, like, okay, here we're going, where are we going next? That's kind of what it looks like. But for now, dial back into right here where we're talking about the language of faith. And this is the, a series the Lord had put on our hearts a while back. Because there's a lot of things that we talk about as Christians and in church where we throw words and terms and ideas around. And we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. And the reality is... Not everybody knows what we're talking about, or we're, we're talking about different things, meaning different things about the same topic. And today's topic, I think, is one of those that we can really be on different ends of the spectrum and talking about the same thing. So let me start off by saying God is a good gift giver, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he's the best gift giver that there ever was. You may be like, you, you're... you're language of love is giving gifts, and that's awesome, but it pales in comparison to the gifts that God gives us, right? Let's just collectively, in general, what are some of the gifts that we enjoy from God? Cash. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yikes. Mike's not even in here to defend what's going on there. So Audrey, our worship leader, enjoys cash from the Lord. I mean, I know what you're saying, that all things are from the Lord, and including cash money. So, what are some things from the Lord, in addition to cash, that we enjoy? Peace. Your son. Peace. Happiness. Happiness. Freedom. Direction. Direction. Creation. What about, like... People, relationships, family, friends, security, hope, encouragement. Like, we could just list things all day long that we get. He's the greatest gift giver. And what is the greatest gift that he ever gave all of humanity? Salvation through Christ. Exactly. God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the only answer to humanity's greatest problem. Mike, if you knew what just happened in this room, you would you'd be throwing this water at your wife, maybe. Okay. That's all right. I'll, I'll replay for you the message later on. <clears throat> yeah, he sent his son Jesus as the only answer to humanity's biggest problem, which of course we know is sin. And sin is our rebellion against God. It's our desire to serve and please ourselves over and above what God is calling us to do. It's a It's a conscious decision to go this way when God is calling us this way, and it keeps us from enjoying him, not only in this life, but in the life to come. See, every human being 
is eternal. Where we spend eternity determines on what we do with this information about the the best gift that he's ever given us. And so the free gift in Jesus Christ is that he came to this earth, lived a life free from sin, was perfect in every way, which allowed him to then be the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. He died in our place, took the punishment that you and I deserve for the sin and rebellion against God, and then allowed us to be absolved, forgiven, and brought back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. That is the greatest gift that we've ever been given. And so we can all agree, I think, that God is a wonderful giver of gifts. And one of those gifts in that long list of things that we just laid out together is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, I realize there are probably a lot of questions, and that's why I said early on that this is one of those topics where now, we can all be saying spiritual gifts and be meaning very different things, not only in what spiritual gifts are, but the expression of those gifts, right? There's a, a very wide berth <laughs> walking down the Christian path when it comes to spiritual gifts. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this and um, deal with some of the things that maybe we think about in terms of spiritual gifts. So I am going to pray and ask for the Lord's help because we need that. And then we'll dive into the message. So would you pray with me? Lord, we do pause this morning. We give thanks and praise and glory and honor. All the things that we just sang about and all the things, Lord, that we just listed, we have countless reasons to give you thanks and praise. You are so good to us. We're so grateful for all the ways in which you bless us. And God, we thank you so much for the fact that you've given us each Spiritual gifts, aspects of our faith, Lord God, that you have called us to utilize for a specific reason and a purpose. And as we look to the the word of God and as we discover, Lord, more truth about what these spiritual gifts are meant for, God, I pray that you would separate, Lord, our maybe personal experience or past experience or expectations, things that do not align with your scripture, Lord, and help us just to look with open minds and hearts to the word of God to say, what is it that you desire in these gifts that you've given to each and every believer? And how can we best utilize those for your glory? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have questions this morning, you can text them to that number on the screen. And at the end of the sermon, Mike and I will come up here and and answer some of those questions if you have them. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions, as usual, and just kind of walk through those answers, and hopefully um, we'll walk away with a little bit of a clear understanding of spiritual gifts. So the first question is, what are they? What are spiritual gifts? Good place to start. And within that question, I'm going to hit a couple of subcategories. So the first thing is that they're from the Lord. And that may seem a little bit oversimplistic, but I want to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page when it comes to spiritual gifts. And it's a theme that we're actually going to see running through this entire message. God gives these gifts into the lives of believers. You and me, if you profess faith, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given spiritual gifts. And he works through these gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And in speaking of spiritual gifts, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, he says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To everyone. 
he gives those gifts. So again, if you're a believer, you have at least one spiritual gift. Some have uh, a few different ones. Some are just, just trying to figure it out. Right? So let me just ask kind of in general, how many of you know what your spiritual gifts are? Let me just kind of see a show of hands. Like, yeah, I'm pretty confident this is what my spiritual gifts are. Okay. And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe this is the first time you're like, spiritual gifts? What? Is it cash or, you know, what, what do I get? <clears throat> it, it's, it could be in the form of cash, you know, um, generosity and, and things of that nature. I see where you're going. <laughs> cash to be a blessing to others. Like, that's right right on. Yeah, sometimes, you know, early in our faith or, or even in, in certain church circles where these things are not talked about as much, there's no emphasis on it, so you don't really realize, hey, this is something maybe I ought to pursue and learn a little bit more about. And that's part of this purpose this morning is just helping us to understand, discern what we've been given and, and what purpose it serves. So let's look at some examples. The Bible lists a lot of examples, thankfully, for us as we look to the scriptures for me. Some insight, and we will look. But as we're going to learn, and maybe this is something a little bit new for us, is there's a broader sense at work than um, this just a listing of gifts to be had by the Lord that go beyond just that list. And so while we should look to the the Word of God for the examples of these gifts, their true function in the church is going to show us that there is no exhaustive catalog given to us. We have a lot of examples. But there's, there's, there are things that God gives to his people that aren't listed in the scripture, but have an intended purpose to serve his people. That doesn't have to carry a label, necessarily. If that makes you feel uneasy, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. So just go with me on that. But let's look at some of the, the, the listings that we do have. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the first place we'll look. We'll look at some of these giftings that he lists for us. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same is spirit, and there are varieties of service with the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the spirit of utterance of wisdom, and to another utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. So there's two. Another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the by the one spirit. A couple more. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, the various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one of the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So that's a few examples, but let's look at one more list in Romans chapter 12. Verses 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. A few more listed for us. Let me read, uh, if you've been through our membership class, you know that one of the chapters is on serving, and there's a list of Gifts that we pulled from the scriptures as well. Let me just read a few more. There's some overlap, but administration, apostle, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, pastor, prophecy, service, teaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, voluntary poverty, wisdom. So you see, there's, there's quite a few 
that the scriptures list for us. And they're all given by the Lord. So there's a few examples. Next subheading under what are spiritual gifts is that they're not exclusive. They're not exclusive. There are certain things that all believers are called to do that may overlap with things that we label spiritual gifts. For example, acts of mercy. That is a spiritual gift listed. But aren't all believers called to display mercy toward people? You shake your head. Yes, absolutely, because they are. So the gift of mercy must be something a little bit more than just striving to do better in mercy. It must mean that believers who've been given this gift are enabled by the Spirit to be mercifully more effectively, more consistently, more enthusiastically. There's something about the way in which they're gifted to utilize the gift of mercy that differs from you and I. But I've heard people say, oh, that's not my spiritual gift. Meaning, that doesn't come naturally to me, so I don't need to put forth any effort to grow in that. It's not my thing. And I would say they're probably confusing the idea of um, having and using a spiritual gift and aiming to be a Christian who desires to grow in all aspects of their faith, regardless of the gifting. So we have to be careful not to avoid growth in certain areas because they don't come naturally to us or because they don't align with our spiritual giftings. I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm not what some people would call a very compassionate person by nature. It's just not who I am. And I've had to work hard over the years to sort of develop a heart for people that runs counter to my natural tendencies. And the Lord has been very faithful to really allow the Holy Spirit to work and soften my heart in these areas but what would have happened if I didn't give a much effort to this at all? It's like, oh, it's just not the way that I'm built, so I'm not going to give any information or any attention to it whatsoever. Well, I think pastoral ministry probably would not be something I'd be doing, at least not very effectively, right? My marriage would probably be a little bit of a wreck because my wife is the one the Lord has used the most to help develop compassion for people. And so who knows what that would look like. So what am I getting at? Spiritual giftedness and growth in areas where we struggle are both workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we mature to become more like Christ. Now that's maybe felt like a bit of a sideways step. It's like, where are you going with this? But I've just seen it enough to where people go, that's not my gifting, so I don't need to touch it. And I would say, you're wrong. (laughs) And we're all called to grow and mature in all areas. Nothing is off limits or out of our purview because we're not gifted in it, right? So let's just make sure that we're not falling into that trap of excusing ourselves of working toward areas where we struggle. All right, let's continue with the question, what are spiritual gifts? Well, they vary. We read that a little bit. I'm going to go back to Romans 12, 6, just to make sure that we see that. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So there's varying giftings that we've been given, and we should not think too highly of ourselves based on what we have, because they're freely given to us. We have no claim on them, at least we shouldn't. (laughs) But sometimes I think we take the gifts that we have for granted. We assume that somehow we played a role in acquiring them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
after Paul, he lists that list that we read earlier, he reminds us in verse 11 that these are all empowered by the Spirit who gives to each person as he wills, right? Empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one as he wills. So do we have anything to do with the spiritual gifts that we have? No. Did we earn them in any way? No. We have unique giftings given us by God for a purpose. And there are reasons that they vary from person to person. Not the least of which is that everyone in this room is different. We're all unique. right? So it couldn't be just a broad stroke of everybody is this. It just doesn't make sense. But in addition to that, there are so many needs within the church, unique needs, that require various abilities and capabilities and giftings. And so it makes sense that the Lord and his sovereignty would gift people uniquely for the service in the church. One person's role and function within the church is no more or less important or significant than another's. In the middle of this passage on spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us exactly this. And I'm going to read a little bit of an extended portion of this chapter because I think it's just that important. So we just read the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he lists a bunch of the giftings. Right after that is where we pick up in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. And I'll, uh, there we go. For just as the body is one, he's using his example as a body. Right? This is a parallel of how giftings and things are used. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. From one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any, any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healing, helping, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. I think it's pretty clear. right? We all have our unique part, our role to play, and our spiritual gifts help us in doing that well. One scholar said it this way, and his thought is going to help us transition to the next question. We are recipients of grace, 
And it is our duty to dis- disperse this grace for others. The vehicle by which we make these disbursements is our spiritual gift. So now we have another definition of spiritual gifts. They are abilities by which we receive the grace of God and disperse that grace to others. You're going to catch that theme a lot. Things are given to us in the forms of giftings to then give to others. So the next question then is how do spiritual gifts benefit the church? we got to know what they are. How do they benefit the church? And I think on the surface, we all know that spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others. We talked about you know, previous sermons about the fruit of the Spirit and how fruit, a, a tree grows fruits not for itself. Fruit is for other people. This is the same thing on the surface. We get that. But let's just affirm that in our hearts and in the Bible, this is the case. So quickly through 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? The common good. Okay, next one, Lee. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of grace, very grace. Go ahead. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things done for be done for building up for one another. Uh, let's look at Romans 1, 11 through 12. For I long to see you, this is Paul talking to the church, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. See, therefore, strengthening other believers, gifts are given to be given. Essentially, this is meant to be describing uh, building up someone else's faith. Helping them to walk through the storms of life as we do life together with them. I love that idea. What God gives us is meant to be given to others. What he gave to you to help me, he gave to me to help you. It's just that reciprocal nature of God. I love that. But what is the potential problem you see if you've been given a gift for me and I've been given one to you? What's a potential problem that exists within the church based on God's structure for using these spiritual gifts. What is it? Selfishness, which also translates into what? Jealousy is a big part of that, but let's think bigger picture. Pride. These are all, I think, symptoms of the bigger problem of just not using the gifts. Yeah, because of pride, because of jealousy, because of all these things. But we have to be able to use them in order for God to be glorified in them. We all have to play our part and use the giftings that we've been given for the benefit of others. Well, sometimes we don't know what our giftings are, right? We ask that question in the beginning, and that's okay. But it's hard to use your giftings if you don't know what they are. Sometimes we know exactly what they are and how they're meant to benefit the church, yet we don't desire to use them. Maybe we're tired, angry, lazy, distracted. doesn't matter the reason. Sometimes we know exactly what we ought to do and we don't do it anyway. That's why I spent a few minutes reading that passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the body with many parts. Paul had to constantly remind the church about unity and mutual care 
for one another. It's a constant thing. Every time he was writing letters or going places, he was talking about loving and caring for the body of Christ. Why? Why was that such an important thing? Because the Bible describes the church, us, as the bride of Christ. The church is extremely important to God. We're being prepared for an eternity with Jesus, right? Like right now, we're in the process of being prepared to live that out. And part of that preparation is in how we steward and use the giftings that he's given us. The health of his church is dependent upon how Christians choose to use their giftings. That's, that's like weighty stuff, guys. That's significant. In fact, if you back up in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is actually really getting after the church. This is right before that part we always look at for communion. Let's always go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where we read that little part about communion. But this part that I'm about to read precedes that. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 starting in verse 17. But in the following structures, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or are you to despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul's not happy with the church. And a lot of it is wrapped around the idea of people serving themselves. Selfishness, pride, all those things we talked about earlier. Unity is not a concern. The reputation of Christ in the church is not a concern for the church at Corinth. Not to mention, Jesus himself taught about the idea that we are to love our fellow believers. Did he, did he say something about that? Like loving one another? Is that in the Bible anywhere? Yeah, it is. It's John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, what? All people will know that you're my disciples. The, the people are looking at us in how we love each other and making determination about who Jesus is based on how we love each other. That's what's at stake here, my friends. And spiritual gifts play an important, critical role in that. It's not just some cool thing that I get to do for God. There's so much more happening. And all of it ties together and works in concerts by design. That's the beauty of this. God is so just amazing in how he works these things. God distributes spiritual gifts to his children as he sees fit, knowing what he has given to each person is going to function and fit exactly where it needs to, to help support the people around them and encourage them in the faith. And when the church is acting like one body with many parts, functioning as each one has been designed, unity and love are the results. And when people look in and they see this unity and this love across this entire body of Christ who has nothing in common but Jesus, to go, wow, look at that. 
There's something going on there. Something is happening here. They see Christ, the giver of all things. You see, spiritual gifts go way beyond ourselves and what they can do for us. They have a greater purpose. John Piper has this to say about spiritual gifts. He says, labels aren't as important as meeting the needs of others and building up their faith. This is what I was alluding to earlier. There are many examples of gifts listed for us in the scriptures. Encouragement, hospitality, all those things that we read in chapter 12. But, says Piper, spiritual gifts are not limited and defined a defined group of activities spelled out in the New Testament. Rather, spiritual gifts are any ability the Spirit gives you to express your faith in order to strengthen another person. So yes, there are lists, and those are helpful and useful to determine what we're doing. But what God gives us through the Spirit that allows us to help, encourage, love, support others is also an expression of spiritual gifts God gives us to his people. So I'm hoping some of the mystery, maybe, um, is fading off, confusion. I grew up in a charismatic church, so spiritual gifts mean something very different to me 20 years ago. Very different. Right? So hopefully some of that stuff is starting to sink away. And I've been intentionally using broad strokes. You notice I've not really drilled down in any one of these specific giftings, because I think that's where Christians get off. They start to go, well, what about this? And they start unpacking just this for the sake of this, rather than going, well, what is the purpose of it, broadly speaking? All right, last question. How do I discover mine? Okay, there's spiritual gifts. They've been given. I get that. How do I discover mine? I found there are several tools that I think people can use. Um, practical tools. There are assessments you can take. There are online screenings and things that you can answer a bunch of questions. If you just have no idea where to start, you're like, I'm, I'm clueless, that's a good tool. But I think there are a few other things that can be helpful as well that happen in the context of the church. Three things, and the first one is observation. This has to do with you and other people. As you live out your faith and life in the context of serving others, what are you discovering about things that come naturally and easy to you? Do you find it easy to organize information? Spreadsheets are kind of like your jam. You really enjoy handling clerical work. Maybe you have the gift of administration. Maybe I said those words and you like gagged a little bit. You're like, <clears throat> spreadsheets? No. So administration, probably not for you, right? Are you sensitive toward those who are suffering, whether physically, mentally, emotionally, to the point where you feel like genuine sympathy with their misery, and you want to go out of your way to speak words of compassion, but most, more so, actually meeting physical needs, deeds of love helping to alleviate their distress. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. And the reason this involves you and other people is because sometimes you can't see it in your own life. Right? You've got to be doing it alongside other per people who could help bring that to light as they observe it in you. So, that's the, that's the first way, is observation. <clears throat> the next is discovering your spiritual gift goes hand in hand with the previous examples that you serve. You just start getting to work. It's the top way to find out how best you can serve people in the church is to serve. Sometimes people know enough about spiritual gifts to know they're supposed to use them in church. But... They're not certain what their spiritual gifts are, and so they kind of just don't serve at all. Like, I don't really 
know what I'm gifted in, so I'm just not going to serve. I would much rather have an extra set of helping hands who's just trying to figure out where their giftings are rather than someone sitting on the sidelines of their own faith just kind of watching life go by. Serve and observe. It doesn't have to be like I'm serving in this specific ministry right now for this purpose. Serving means loving other people. Like I explained earlier, this is not just to help the church function on a Sunday morning. Yes, that's part of the deal, but that's just like the tip of the iceberg. I'm talking about meals for people, hospitality, opening up your home, things that happen outside of this building altogether. That's serving as well. Praying for people. Loving people, giving your neighbors, kids, rides to school. These are things that incorporate spiritual gifting. It is not just for us. That's a big part of it, yeah. But remember, we're representatives, ambassadors for Christ. And those giftings go beyond the church as well. In other words, you're serving, you're observing how your spiritual giftings line up with the certain needs around you. And especially the needs of people. So, the third way is that <clears throat> as you're serving, people affirm those giftings in you. This is important because, as, like I said, sometimes you just don't see it in yourself, or sometimes you see something that's not really there, and you start going down this path, and people are like, whoa, whoa, maybe just slow down a little bit. Show me how you think you see this in your life. Because you say you have a lot of compassion, but nobody wants to talk to you because you just scare everybody off and you have weird faces and whatever people talk about me, you know, it's, it's fine. <clears throat> I understand. Kids especially are like, what's wrong with that, dude? It's my beard, I know. People will affirm giftings in your life. Only if they see it as you are actively trying to utilize and discover those giftings in you. So it's a great way to have some confidence that what you believe you see in your life is actually what others see and of course, the Holy Spirit is working the whole time to bring those things to the surface, bring about confidence, but he uses the people around you as well. So let me just close our time with this reminder. Spiritual gifts are from the Lord. Their primary use is in the service of other people and are, as are any other abilities to express your faith in order to strengthen and build up those around you. And part of our responsibility in all of this is to put those gifts into use. Put them into practice. Develop them as you grow in the Lord day by day. So my hope for all of us here today is that you prayerfully consider how we are stewarding our gifts. Maybe first step is being intentional about discovering. But in that process, how are we stewarding? How are we using are we reserving them? Are we withholding them? Are we you know, leaning into them? Maybe you're just like, Woo, my spiritual gifts are everywhere. Let's do it. And you're all in. But ask God, how can you grow? Right? None of us have arrived. Right? Has anybody arrived on spiritual gifts? Like you're there, 100% nailing it? Okay, so we're all trying to grow in that. What I'm asking is that you would prayerfully consider, Lord, how do you want me to grow in these? In that application, the use of these gifts to build up the people around me for your glory. That's the takeaway for us, I think, because ultimately we want to be able to share the love of Christ with a broken and lost world. And one of the best ways to do that is through the use of our giftings. Let's pray.
Lord, I do thank you so much for the fact that you've given us wonderful and amazing gifts. We don't deserve any of it, Lord. But you are, as we said, the best gift giver that there ever was. And Father, as we just sit with this message right now, over the next few minutes and hours, and, and this week coming up, I pray you bring to mind areas, Lord God, that you have, in fact, gifted us. Lord, and as we begin to discover those things a little bit more, would you show us how you would like us to develop those, to put them into practice more? Not for selfish gain, not for uh, our, our name being made great, Lord God, or, oh, look at you know this guy, he really knows how to do this, or that person is so gifted in that. That's not, that's not the point, God. You being glorified through us is the point that other people would look to us and say, there's something about that person, something unique and special, and that something is you, Christ. Unify us as a body. Unite us together and let each one humbly be willing to serve through the use of our gifts in this place. We ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen.